0: Choir, will you pray with me? Lord God, we shout with the choir, I'm going to rise, Lord. Help us to rise up, to look for your rising in our lives, to trust you that your love is stronger than death, and to live each day like we might, like that might be the day that we see Jesus. Be with me, O God, as I preach and share Be with all of us as we think on these things. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, the parable, and it is a parable that Kelly read so well with so much enthusiasm, and I appreciate that, it's one of the most provocative parables in Scripture. Let me just admit from the beginning That this is not going to be easy to determine exactly what Jesus wants us to get out of this parable. Because none of the parables are. You see, that's sort of by design. A parable is difficult to define. But in one word, it's a riddle. It's a riddle. It's a puzzle to be solved. It's some enigma to be plumbed. And just when you think you've got the meaning of the parable... Jesus pulls the rug out from under you, and you fall into a deeper level of mystery. By the way, it's important to know that Jesus' main way of teaching is not lecture or law or spiritual sayings or proverbs. It's parable. It's riddle. Mark in the gospel says, Jesus never said anything except in parables or riddles. One time the disciples got a little irritated and they came up to him and said, Why do you do that, Jesus? Why did you talk to them in parables? In other words, why not make it plain, Jesus? When the Gospel of Luke contains 24 parables and 18 of them are unique to Luke, Matthew, the Gospel we're preaching out of today, has 23 parables of which 11 are unique to Matthew. The Gospel of Mark contains eight parables, two of which are unique. My favorite definition, hang your hat on this, my favorite definition of the Gospel is by a commentator named C.H. Dodd. He says, a parable is a metaphor or simile drawn from everyday life, the meaning of which is sufficiently in doubt to tease the imagination into thought. Jesus wasn't really into indoctrination or simple answers. No, he was trying to get his disciples to think, to think. Have the mind of Jesus Christ, says Paul, who though he was equal with God, did not exploit that, but came down and died on a cross To love the Lord your God with all your mind is to wrestle with these parables like the old rabbis did with all of these stories. And I bet you remember a lot of these parables, right? Young man says, I'm sick of this place. I want to run away. Give me my inheritance, right? Goes in riotous living. Or a farmer who... Sows a bunch of seed and some seed falls on the rocks. Some seed is on the hard ground and the bird eats it up, but others fell on fertile ground. Or one day when they say, Jesus, who is my neighbor? You think, give me a definition. And Jesus says, let me tell you a story about a guy who was going to Jericho and uh, was felled by robbers and thieves and two really good religious. Preachers walked by and said, I don't have time. I'm going to St. Luke's, right, to preach. Um, But then the third one, who was a Samaritan, stopped. A Samaritan? The bottom falls out because Samaritans were not good in the first century. So what happens in this story? This is Matthew chapter 25. Jesus is about to meet his end. Everything's going to be chaotic and a little disorienting. And what better time for him to tell a story about a wedding? A wedding. The kingdom of heaven will be like a wedding, says Jesus. Now let me stop there. Is there anything more emotional, stressful, joyful, or anxiety-producing than a wedding? The thousands of details? Just ask the Howells or the Burroughs, because in just a few weeks and months, they will be celebrating weddings in this beautiful sanctuary. I don't know if there is. It's like a wedding, Jesus says. And a first century wedding was different than the weddings we have today. Weddings in Jesus' day began at the bride's family's home. Light refreshments, some hors d'oeuvres, including the wedding party. They would all be there. And they would gather at the bride's parents' home to await the bride and the groom. And then the bride and the groom would come late that night. And they would announce that they're here. And everybody at the bride's family's house would gather in the front yard. They would take their lamps and their torches and they would go to the groom's house where the big party was. Presumably, Jesus was at the groom's house in John 2 when he turned water into wine. It's a lot different. And if you can believe it, probably a lot more expensive because weddings back then lasted for a week. Can you imagine paying the tab for a party that lasted a week? Well, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding where there were ten bridesmaids. Pretty big wedding. Not huge, but pretty big. Five wise, five foolish. The wise ones brought enough, uh, brought enough oil in their lamps. But the foolish bridesmaids, there were five of them, who didn't bring any extra oil, didn't bring a flak, a flack, uh, just, I'm sorry, a... Flask of oil. Sorry, I don't know why that word didn't get in my head. Well, Jesus said the bridegroom was late, late coming. And it was a lot later into the night. All the bridesmaids and everybody got drowsy and fell asleep. But somebody announced, here comes the groom. Now, I don't know where the bride is, by the way. That's another story. Jesus never mentions the bride. I'll let you ask yourself why, why, why that is. But very late, they got drowsy. And the announcements. And the five bridesmaids had lamplights full of oil. But there were five bridesmaids who only had their empty lanterns. And no matter how much they trimmed their wicks, they couldn't get a light. Hey, bridesmaids, says the foolish ones. Hey, wise ones, can we just borrow a little bit of oil? And the bridesmaid says, hey, we barely have enough for our own lanterns. Why don't you go out and buy some? Because we can't help. And then the bridegroom is there in the front yard. And while those bridesmaids are at Walmart trying to find oil, they miss out. They miss out. And all of a sudden they come walking up to the groom's house and the door's locked. The party is done. And they miss out. They miss out. What is this parable saying to us? One of my friends who is preaching on this day as well, she said this, the more I read this coming Sunday's parable on the wise and foolish bridesmaids, the more completely confusing it is. The groom is a no-show and is late. There's no bride, and the bridesmaids spend half their friends, send half their friends to Walmart. What do you think Jesus wants us to get out of this parable or this riddle? Well, the conventional meaning is pretty straightforward, and I think it's true. Be ready. Be ready, says Jesus. He's talking to his disciples. He's not talking to a great crowd. He's talking to 12 of them. Be ready. When Jesus returns, don't get caught sleeping. Don't get caught unprepared. The oil, maybe it's prayer or good deeds or acts of mercy or forgiveness. In other words, keep doing what you're supposed to be doing while you wait. Be ready. You can't really see this oil that they would put. You can't really smell it. But by the end of the day, you either have it or you don't. So stay awake. All those ten bridesmaids looked exactly alike, were acting exactly alike, until it got late at midnight. And that is when they were really being revealed. Maybe it's a tragic tale of living your days unprepared. Unprepared for the end. You know, we're not for long on this earth. And maybe we think we can put it off, but we can't. We can't. We're just here for a season. And that would be true for sure. But there are two things that keep me from stopping at that truth. Here's one of them. Some days I identify and God, I have a lot of oil in my lamp. You ever had one of those days? You wake up, good night's sleep you say your prayers, and you are ready for anything. You have the patience of Job, and you notice other people, and you listen, and you forgive, and you do all this. But I got to tell you, that's not every day for me. Does anybody hear bat a thousand? Y'all, some days, my lamp feels empty. Some days, I'm chasing oil. Some days, I don't feel so full I don't feel so full. And so some days I think we all are like those five foolish bridesmaids. We're tragically unprepared. We're short and judgmental about others. We keep our head down and we keep our eyes shut to where Jesus may be coming to us and at us. What then? On those empty days am I gambling my fate? Am I just sort of like, what if Jesus shows up on one of those bad days, huh? But here's the other reason. Well, I think the truth doesn't stop there. Because Jesus doesn't stop there. You know that the ultimate gospel, the ultimate gospel and good news is that God's love and mercy is from everlasting to what? To everlasting. That there is no limit to the oil that God has. It's never too late. Just a few verses after this, the woman who uh, Jesus is having... Um, he's at a banquet and he's there reclining and a woman just dumps all this perfume on Jesus' feet. She dumps it all out. She, her lantern is dim and she's desperate and she's washing Jesus' feet with her tears. And Jesus doesn't say, it's too late, your lamp is not good enough. He says, no, they're going to remember this woman for a long time. Peter's lantern, just a couple of, couple of chapters later, was empty. He said, Jesus, I will never deny you. And then he's right there by that trash can fire. Aren't you the follower of Jesus? And he steps away from the fire and the light, and he does not light his lantern. Jesus told him, you deny me three times. Did Jesus cast him away or lock him out? No. And you know, if you look at the story, they're all sleeping. And he says, Later on, the people that he's telling this to, it's like, you couldn't keep awake for one hour? That's what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. Two thieves later on, one on either side. One is deriding him and making fun of him. The other, The other says, Jesus, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus didn't look over at him and say, I don't see your lantern. Sorry. What does he say? Today you will be with me. In paradise, You see, the prophets looked forward to this Christ the King who would never put out a smoldering wick. Who would never do that. That's, that's the ultimate truth. But that's not all the truth. There is this penultimate truth in our lives. The, the ultimate truth is from everlasting to everlasting. But here's something, maybe the second to last word. And that is this. That life is a lot about sliding doors. It's all about sliding doors. See, every day, every day, we have a chance to meet Jesus Christ before the big day, right? There's a movie in 1998 called Sliding Doors. Gwyneth Paltrow was in it. Does anybody remember that movie? And so the movie starts out, she's kind of young, and it's... uh, She's got a real bad British accent, but that's okay. She she goes to the train, and the scheduled train, and the doors close at the last minute, and she misses out. So the rest of the movie is about what would have happened in her life had she made the sliding doors, and what 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 happened since she didn't. It's a very cleverly done movie. I wonder, to you and me, what are we doing? with the windows of opportunities and the sliding doors that God gives us. God opens up a window to pour a blessing out every day. And there's going to be only one day when we meet Christ in the crowds. but what about all the other day, uh, in the clouds, but what about the other days when he comes to meet us in the grocery store or walking around the block or at our work with somebody that we have a hard time being patient with? What if he comes here tomorrow in a great and clever disguise, what are you going to do then? Because that is when the sliding door opens and when it closes. Pulitzer Prize winning author Tracy Kidder wrote a book a few years ago called Old Friends and was doing some research and he lived, believe it or not, in a retirement home in Boston. He talked about so many there were struggling because they couldn't remember. They were, their memory was fading, but there was one gentleman, he said, whose memory didn't fade at all. He was living a life of regret. He was, regretted life about his marriage. Early on, when they got married, she dropped a frying pan, and he just let her have it. Made a big mess. And then later, one day, one day he thought to himself after she died, I wish she'd be back and drop a hundred frying pans. And I miss my chances. Early on in the marriage, she told him, you know, I would just love it every now and then for you to say I love you. I mean, and he, he, he told her early on, he said, well, I love you, and I'll, I'll let you know when I change my mind, you know. But, I'm, but he didn't say it very much. And there late, he remembers by her bed saying, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you as he wept by her bedside because it was too late and she couldn't respond. There's a window. There's a window of your life. What are you going to do when Jesus shows up in the form of your spouse or a stranger or an enemy? Sliding doors, sliding doors. I can't tell you how many times, and every preacher in this room will get this, when I thought I just needed to be at a meeting. And when my kids were small, I would go, well, I guess I got to go. It's my job. Now, I made a lot of my kids' stuff. But I can remember a few times, Susanna and Trip didn't make it, didn't make it. And I went to some senseless, boring meeting at church because I thought that's where I was going to need to be. But, you know, I've, I've grown older now, and I'm wiser. Susanna, now I'm ready to go to the father-daughter dance, right? No, Dad, it's too late, right? It's too late. I can't do that now. And the, the door opens and closes. Michael J. Fox has got Parkinson's. I love that actor. I I guess as a child, he was in a lot of the movies that I grew up on. And Michael J. Fox got Parkinson's and he had to stop acting. I read this article in the AARP, but it's such a good article. He said, for years I was enraged and felt sorry for myself. I'm the victim. And he shut down, eyes down, and was no longer present to his wife and to his kids. They went on some exotic vacation, but you know, if you're sad in California, you're going to be sad in Italy. Same sad person. There they were, snorkel diving, floating around. And he looked beneath the surface and saw a turtle with three legs swimming around. And it woke him up. Because that turtle, he said, didn't look like it was feeling sorry for itself. That turtle was living And swimming through the sliding doors of its life. And Michael was like, what am I doing? And that changed his life. Five of them missed it. Five of them missed their sliding doors. They forgot what is most important in life. To love, to be loved. To forgive, to be forgiven. To trust Jesus Christ. To to let my life be more than about me, myself, and I. That trinity And to let it be about other people. That's how I witness. That's how I burn and shine my light. Jesus says. This chaotic world is a lot like a wedding. Part joy. Part chaos. And we're all running out of time. The oil is a way of life. Y'all following Jesus is a way of life. It's not just having the right answers it's not just going through the routine it is a way of life that's how we burn our oil i can't tell you how many times i'm crestfallen when somebody leaves the faith and they oh wait what what are you doing now oh i've become a buddhist and look nothing wrong with i mean nothing is buddhist but it's like i decided to become a buddhist because you know that's more of a way of life and i just want to die a thousand deaths Because following Jesus is about burning your oil every day and, and it's a way of life. You should stand out, stick out, and your lantern should be burning brightly no matter what you're doing. It's not about stuff we accumulate, this oil. It's about action, service, prayer, mercy, forgiveness. It's about living. It's about letting go of yesterday's worries and grudges and welcoming the new day. It's recognizing Jesus wherever you go. It's about praying without ceasing, which does not mean you got to spend your time on your knees at this altar rail, but that you are having a constant conversation with God because Christ is coming at you in all kinds of ways. But if you're here and your oil is out, do you still dare to go out to meet Jesus when he comes? That's what I want to ask of this crazy parable. What if those people, what if those bridesmaids had gone ahead and gone out with dim lanterns I say the bridegroom would have welcomed him in. I think the mistake the foolish bridesmaids made was not that they didn't have oil, it's that they forgot that Jesus is the light of the world, the true light. That the bridegroom was going to bring the light. You don't have to go chasing your oil at Walmart. No. God is there. And we serve a generous and loving And beautiful God who wants to welcome us in the party. But when your lantern is lit, on your good days, I suggest, please don't do what the bridesmaids did. Don't hoard it. Risk what you have to share with others. That's what Jesus says all over the Gospels. The oil that we have never runs out. This is a cautionary tale, not about taking care of yourself... It's about what can happen when we aren't prepared and we're not looking out for one another. Somebody in the Sunday school class says, I know where the bride is. The bride is the church. And that's why Jesus doesn't mention it because the church is not on the scene yet. I like that. Because that means that you and I are part of the bride. That we are the light that's called to shine. The goal is for us, these Jesus people... It's to do what we can do right now so that all might find their way to the party. Let's just don't let a few of us get there. Let's let all of us get there. Jesus left the 99 for the 1 and they threw a party. Heaven rejoices over one sinner. A party. Quit chasing your oil. You can't find this oil at Walmart. Don't panic. Wait for Jesus who has plenty of Enough oil for all of our lanterns. So, whether you got oil or not, good news, you're invited to the party. Let us pray.